This fall, after Labor Day, we'll be beginning our fall series as we expositionally go through Scripture. This morning, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Spiritual warfare. What images come to your mind when you hear that or you hear discussions of that? For some of you, it's maybe images of poltergeist or, you know, the exorcist. When we were kids, um, the plot of land where the exorcism occurred that uh, the movie was based on was right down the street from my elementary school. So when we were in high school, one of the things that we did to freak ourselves out was we'd go by that place and then we'd go to Georgetown where the movie was filmed and we'd just give ourselves the willies, uh, give ourselves the willies uh, re-experiencing aspects of, the, aspects of the movie The Exorcism. But for others of you, it's not what's been conjured by Hollywood, but rather the thought of spiritual warfare probably generates thoughts maybe of more ecstatic religious movements. Um, maybe it's an aspect for some, it's a picture of religious movements that, have, that blame everything on the devil, blame everything on demons, um, to the exclusion of personal responsibility and what Scripture says about other issues. But as we come to this passage of Scripture, the assumption of Jesus, when you look at Jesus' ministry, his healings, and the ways he casts out demons, the assumption of Jesus, the assumption of Paul in his writings... The assumption of James and the other writers of Scripture, their assumption is that we are engaged in a spiritual battle and we face a real spiritual enemy. As we come to this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, this passage is given to us not to satisfy all of our curiosities about the world of demons and devils and angels, but rather it is given to us that we would open our eyes to the reality in which we live and that we would be equipped to overcome in the spiritual wrestling that we face on a daily basis. The Apostle Paul writes these words towards the end of his letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given, me to, given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Father, we need your spirit to open our hearts, our lives, our souls to the truth of your word and to be changed by it. So Lord, would you send your spirit that we would hear your word, that we would understand the armor that you have granted to us, 
so that through your grace and the working of your spirit, we would indeed stand in this present darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Spiritual warfare. Three things we're going to look at here this morning I want you to walk away with. First is to know who we fight. Secondly is to know what we fight. And thirdly, to know how we fight. Verse 12 states this, who is it that we fight? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Scripture makes clear that yes, we indeed are wrestling. Yes, we are engaged in a conflict. Well, what is that conflict? Is that the spiritual forces of evil are opposed to anything of God and anything that God is doing and anything that aligns with God's desires and God's intentions. So consider that for a moment. Is God working to build a church with harmony and unity? The devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, will sow seeds of discord, seeds of bitterness. Roots of bitterness will take hold through the, through the devil and his minions, seeds of dissension. Is God working to redeem one people of every tongue, tribe, race, and nation? If so, then the powers of hell will let loose to cultivate self-justified bigotry and racism. Is God rescuing people who have been ensnared in the schemes of the devil? Then the spiritual forces of evil will lay more traps, more snares, and more landmines. Is God using his people to redeem a community and to rescue people from poverty? Then he will attack its leader. And it against all these things and many more, we are told that we wrestle and then we struggle. Every one of us, we want hours of harmony in our families. Just want everyone to be happy. In our church, we want unhindered tranquility in every interaction with every Christian and with every group. We want, every time that we interact with another person, every time we interact with another Christian, we want it to be this place of spiritual renewal and oasis, a spiritual spa that we walk away from exfoliated, having all of the bad things in our lives. But as John Stott astutely observes, that the way of the escapist Christian, the way of the escapist Christian has been effectively blocked. Christians have to face the reality of their conflict with the enemy of God, and they not only have to face the reality, but engage in hand-to-hand combat. But Scripture makes clear who it is that this battle is with. It is not against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. As people who have been raised and inculcated in a world of scientific materialism that seeks to explain every phenomenon, every, every occurrence, every abnormality through natural materialistic means, what happens is, is that we have come to embrace and come to believe and at least come to functionally practice that the only reality is the material world that we see and the world that we experience inside our own heads. So therefore, if there is an issue, the explanation always 
is that it is either psychological or it is psychiatric, or if you're religious, then it's the result of sinful intentions. And Scripture would allow for all of those things. But it would also add that there is a spiritual battle going on. And though the spiritual battle in which you are engaged may be expressed through the person that is sitting next to you this morning, Scripture is clear that our struggle is not against them. But struggle, our struggle, is against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That yes, we struggle against the brokenness in this world. Yes, we wrestle with the brokenness and the sinfulness of our own flesh. And yes, we also wrestle with the devil and his emissaries and the spiritual forces of evil. Well, who is this enemy? He is powerful. His minions are powerful. Notice the terms that are used against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers who are over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. Now, these different terms, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil, it's unclear whether or not these are different ranks or there are different types of evil in the hierarchy of hell. We don't really know. What we do know is that they're all opposed to you. And they exercise their power. They do so over this present darkness, which is the present age in which we live until Jesus Christ returns. But not only are they powerful, but they are evil. There's cosmic powers over this present darkness. They are the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that is in the invisible and the unseen realm. These are enemies... These are forces and powers who use their power not for good but for evil, not to promote well-being but to promote destruction, not to encourage delight but to encourage division and dissension, not to create clarity but to create confusion. They have no moral principles. They have no code of honor. They do not possess compassion. They have no mercy. They do not engage in spiritual warfare according to the Geneva Convention or other terms of civilized engagement. They are unscrupulous, unrelenting, and ruthless in their pursuit and spread of evil. And for them, there will be no cessation of hostilities. There will be no temporary ceasefire. There will be no truce. There will be no period of humanitarian relief or pause for the Olympic Games. There will be no respite until Jesus Christ returns and vanquishes all of his and all of our enemies. And so the promises of Scripture, the peace of God, the blessing that God gives to his children, the security that God gives to his children, is only known not in the absence of this struggle, but in the midst of it, for it is the only reality there is. We need to know who it is we fight. Secondly, to be more clear, we need to know exactly what we fight. Text tells us in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What do we fight against? We fight against the schemes, the schemes of the devil and of his minions. The devil rarely attacks openly. He prefers darkness to light. He prefers shadows to brightness. 
When he does appear as an angel of light, he appears in a beautiful way that you don't suspect it. He enters Christ's flock as a wolf, but masquerades as one who is defenseless and helpless and harmless. Like someone who's just a good friend who just needs a little bit more help. Like a sheep. He slithers like a snake. He devours like a lion. And instead of open hostility, he prefers to seduce with lies, with suggestions, with doubts, with questions, with accusations. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us, he accuses God to us and says to us, did God really say, God doesn't love you, you're on your own, this one's on you, God's not watching over you, God's word doesn't speak to the situation that you're dealing with, you need to go find help in some other way and in some other reason. He accuses God to us. He accuses us to God and says to God, this one's not worthy, this one's too sinful, too shameful, too undignified. And he accuses us one to another. Because the schemes of the devil most often get expressed through people to people. And so when you are encountering a scheme of the devil, most likely you are going to encounter that scheme through another person. But Scripture is clear for us to open our eyes and to say that your battle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood. The battle and the wrestling that you are dealing with, though it may be expressed through flesh and blood, your battle is not with flesh and blood. But you are fighting the schemes of the devil. Thirdly, we need to know how we fight. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. For we are not left to fight this fearful, mighty, and formidable foe on our own. Indeed, we cannot. We will fail if we try. But look what Paul encourages the church. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to Stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, he continues, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore. And he goes to describe the armor of God. In Scripture, when we are faced with temptation, Scripture encourages us to flee. But when it comes to wrestling against the rulers and the authority and the cosmic powers of evil over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil, what Scripture instructs us repeatedly is to stand, to stand stable, to stand sure-footed, for wobbly Christians are easy prey for the devil to devour. So he instructs us how we are to wrestle, how we are to fight, how we are to stand. And there's six different pieces to the armor of God. Actually, there are six pieces plus one. The first one is this. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt would be the one that holds his armor together. It also is the the piece that girds up his loins. What I'm about to say next will sound a little bit funny. The hidden enemy of truth 
is reason. The hidden enemy of truth is reason. And I'm not talking, the, the, op, the opposite of that is not blind optimism or blind faith. We are called to be rational thinking beings. We are called to engage and to use our brain and to learn and to discern, and more Christians need to do that. But you are deceived if you think that you can reason yourself into truth. Too many times I have witnessed good people deny uncontested, fully substantiated facts. I've been in situations where others have said to me, who are there too, who have said to me, if you told me that that person could act so irrationally, I never would have believed you because I know them. I never would have believed you unless I had seen it myself. Too many times I have seen very otherwise reasonable people entrench themselves in wild fabrications because it is the only reasonable conclusion that they can come to based upon their point of view. Fasten yourself with the belt of truth. For we participate, we give in to the devil's schemes when we muse with intrigue and scheming. When we explore darkness, when we explore whispers and hearsay, when we relish one side of a story and engage in fanciful conclusions, brothers and sisters, you will not beat the devil at his own game. You will not overcome the, the devil when you participate in what he is doing. But we stand against the devil and his schemes when we gird ourselves with the belt of truth, when we live in the light which he cannot stand, when we stand against participating in hearsay and gossip, which he relishes, when we refuse to impuse motives or character with the accusations that he is throwing, gird yourself with the belt of truth. And having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is that which makes us right with God. There's absolutely no protection that is greater than having a right relationship with God. To be justified by God, to have your guilt removed, to have your shame covered and your shame taken away, to stand before God Almighty and for Him to say, not guilty. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, there is no protection like that. But we give in to the schemes of the devil when we determine and we seek to have a rightness, when we determine our rightness on how liked we are and how many people agree with us, when we repeatedly convince ourselves that we're right and we tell ourselves that again and again and again and again, we are just giving into the schemes of the devil, but we stand against him. We stand against the schemes of the devil with the breastplate of righteousness. When we remember that in Christ Jesus, he alone is the one who has made us right with God. He is the one who alone who has cleansed us. He is the one who has not only cleansed us, but has made us beautiful and adopted us into his family as a child of God. We stand against the schemes of the devil with the breastplate of righteousness. When we, re when we remember and proclaim and profess that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And though there may be accusations that are true, they do not stand. For who shall bring any charge against God elect? 
Whose charge against any of God's children will stand? There is none, for it is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? There is none, because Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Gird yourself with the breastplate of righteousness. Having done so, for shoes, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Readiness to announce the good news of Jesus Christ. Readiness to proclaim it. But we give in to the schemes of the devil when we think that the gospel is irrelevant. When we think, I'm not going to say anything. I, I mean, that person already knows that. That person already knows these things more than I know these things. But we, scan, we stand against the schemes of the devil. When we put on gospel shoes, when we encourage one another with the good news of Jesus, because the devil fears the gospel. The devil hates the gospel because it is the power of God to rescue people from his snares, to rescue people from slavery, both we who have received it and those with whom we share it. Be ready with gospel feet. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith, which is holding to the promises of God. But we give into the schemes of the devil when we participate in what he is doing. His flaming darts, the flaming darts of the evil one, are his accusations instead of encouragement. The flaming darts... We give in to them. We begin to throw them when we engage in accusations. When we ponder, when we repeat, when we, when we throw accusations. The devil is the accuser of God's children. Jesus is the encourager of them. Never forget whose side you are on. But we stand against the schemes of the devil. When we take up the shield of faith, when we determine to encourage and to build up and not to accuse and surmise, we stand against the schemes of the devil with the shield of faith when we lay hold of the promises of God in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our depression, in the midst of discouragement. We stand against the schemes of the devil with the shield of faith, when we cling to the power of God in, in times of temptation. And we take up the helmet of salvation, which is what covers us. It's what we are represented by. The helmet of salvation is the eternal security and hope that is given to us through Jesus Christ. And we give into the schemes of the devil. When we seek wholeness or happiness apart from Christ, but we stand against the schemes of the devil, we stand against them with the helmet of salvation when we readily and freely profess that my only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but that I belong both in body and soul, in life and death to my precious Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We stand against the schemes of the devil with the helmet of salvation when we freely profess that Jesus Christ has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood. And he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation, the helmet of salvation, because I belong to him, Christ, and by his Spirit, because I belong to him, his Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Our God saves. In all circumstance, he continues, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, God's word, as we use it, it cuts defenses, it pricks consciences, it awakens souls. The word of God enables us to resist temptation and to bring life where there is death, to bring light where there is darkness. But we give into The schemes of the devil, we participate in them when we're too busy to study, when we're too busy to meditate, when we're too busy to understand God's word. We give in to the schemes of the devil when we are ashamed to use it, you know, because, I mean, I don't want to be that guy that's going around quoting Bible verses to people. We give in. But we stand against the schemes of the devil with the sword of the Spirit when we refute the devil's accusations with God's own word. These things, these six pieces plus one, these six are the whole armor of God which are provided for us, which God has given to you to protect you. Yet we must, we must put them on. We must put on and use them as we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil. We use these six pieces plus one. Here is the plus one. Paul, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Paul encourages us here. He says, pray at all times. That is to pray regularly and constantly. Pray with all prayer and supplication. That is both listening to God and bringing our requests to Him. To that end, keep up with all perseverance, neither giving up nor falling asleep. Pray for making supplication for all the saints and also for me. It is praying beyond the claustrophobic confines of our own little life. That we pray in a bigger way to engage in the battle that God is working and engage in praying for things beyond ourselves. And so we give into the schemes of the devil when we don't pray. We give in. When we, when we think that prayer is useless or not productive, we give in. When we say that we're going to pray for someone and we don't, but we stand against the schemes of the devil and we stand when we pray together, when we pray personally, when we pray privately, when we pray with one another. A couple years ago, I was having lunch with a Christian brother in the Lord, and we were talking and sharing life together together. 
and things were busy, and we were both late for our next meeting, and we both needed to go, and we both said, I was like, and I said, yeah, okay, we need to, let's pray for that, I'll, you know, I'll commit to praying for that, and he said, no, let's pray for that right now, we're already late. He said, there's something wrong when Christian men get together and they don't pray for one another. Think about that. Evaluate your relationships. I think he's correct. There's something wrong when Christians, men and women, Christians, when friends get together and they don't pray together. Pray with one another. And he goes on to say, pray also for me. Pray also for me. Paul is saying, you as a church, pray for me, Paul, as a leader, as an apostle, is that the, prayer of, the prayers of God's people within the church provide the strength that leaders need, provide the strength that I need, that our elders and teachers need. And our staff needs. And as a church, we stand against the schemes of the devil with prayer when we pray about our concerns more than we talk about them. When we pray for one another regularly. When we pray for our church leaders more than we complain about them or more than we praise them. We stand against the schemes of the devil when we pray. So scripture says, you are engaged in a spiritual battle. You are engaged in wrestling these unseen forces, and that will manifest themselves as flesh and blood in your life, but your enemy is not the person next to you. Take on, be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God, and stand against the schemes of the devil. On June 6th, 1944, the Allied forces launched the largest seaborne invasion in the history of the world. On that day, which was known as D-Day, the Allied forces launched this invasion on the beaches of Normandy in order to recover Europe and fight against Hitler, the Nazis, and the Third Reich. When they lost that invasion on that day, there were 24,000 soldiers who went in, and Marines who went and marched on the beach that day, and 10,000 casualties on the first day of the conflict. After the first day, they did not accomplish any of their objectives. They only accomplished a few of their objectives, but did not accomplish their main objectives. But over the next several days, they began to unite together, and they made headway, eventually progressing across France and freeing France and onto Europe and freeing, and freeing Europe. And as they did so, and even after they liberated an area, present within that area were still snipers and enemies and traps and snares, even after the area was liberated. And this continued until V-Day which was Victory Day, actually V-E Day, which was Victory Day, which was May 5th, 1945. Now, most of us could probably state when D-Day occurred. There's probably a lot fewer of us that could state when V-Day occurred. And I think there's a reason for that. Because it was on D-Day that we can look back and say this was the decisive moment in the battle in the history of this war. This was the decisive moment... In this battle, in this war, this was the decisive moment when the power of the Third Reich was broken and was pushed back. This was the decisive moment when the tides in the war turned. 
And we can look back on D-Day and say, yes, that was the day when the forces of Hitler were pushed back. And we celebrate May 5th, but most of us don't remember that day. But until Victory Day occurred, the, counter, the Nazis launched counteroffensives. They lost schemes. They launched, launched snares. They laid snares. They laid mines and continued to fight. 2,000 years ago was D-Day for the devil. On a hill outside of Jerusalem on Calvary, the forces of hell thought they had won. The forces of hell thought they had won because they had crucified the Son of God who was supposed to come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And they succeeded with the principalities and the powers, and they succeeded, and they crucified the Son of God. But what they did not know was that through the death of Christ, that on that day, on that hill outside of Jerusalem, there occurred D-Day for the devil, for it was the death of death and the death of Christ. And three days later, he rose from the grave, and he broke the power of death, broke the power of sin over us, and he broke the reign of the devil. And right now, we as the people of God live, actually all people live, between the moment of D-Day, Christ's death and resurrection, and V-Day, when he will return and come as the returning king, and he will vanquish all of his and our enemies. Until that day comes, the devil will continue to wrestle. Until that day comes, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil, they will not concede defeat. But the day is coming when Christ Jesus will return and vanquish all of his and all of our enemies. And until that day comes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Until that day comes, put on the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God, and having done all that you can, stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we would much rather engage in a life of a spiritual spa, a life of unending tranquility and harmony in every realm of our life. But that day is coming, but it has not yet come. But that day is coming. But until that day comes, Lord, you know, oh Lord, you know, that we are not engaged in a battle against flesh and blood. But Lord, you know that we are engaged wrestling against the spiritual forces of evil over this present darkness, over the cosmic powers against rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Oh Lord, you know that and you have not only defeated the devil, but Lord, in this present battle you have equipped us You do not leave us. You have not abandoned us. You will not forsake us. But you, Lord, in the midst of the battle, you enlist us to fight. And you give us the full armor of God and prayer that we would engage in this spiritual battle. So, Father, we pray 
that by your Spirit that you would work in us, that we would be eager to gird ourselves with the belt of truth, that we would be people who live in light and cannot stand the shadows and cannot stand darkness, that we would be people who stand against gossip and hearsay because we have girded ourselves with the belt of truth, that we would be people who refuse to impugn motives and character. Lord, that by your Spirit that we would cover ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness and that we would know that in Christ Jesus, since him, since before him, he has set us free, that we are justified, that there is no one who would condemn us. There is no accusation that stands. Lord, by your Spirit, would you lace up gospel shoes for us so that we would stand against the devil, And that we would be eager to encourage one another with the words of life which he hates. And that you would use our words in the readiness to share the gospel of peace, to rescue people from slavery and from his snares, both we who have received it and those who need to hear it. Father, by your spirit, would you, Lord, move us to pick up the shield of faith that it would extinguish, that the shield of faith would extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, the accusation that he throws. May we never forget whose side we are on. Lord, by your spirit, may we stand against the schemes of the devil with the shield of faith that we would determine to encourage and build up, that we would determine to lay hold of your promises in doubt and depression, that we, Lord, would lay hold of your power in the midst of temptation. Father, would you work in us that we would, that the helmet of salvation would protect us as we stand against the devil, that it would protect us as we readily profess that my only hope in life and death is that I am not my own, but that I belong body and soul to my precious Savior, Jesus Christ, both in life and death, and he is the one who has broken the, the tyranny of the devil over me. Lord, would you move us that we would stand against the schemes of the devil with the helmet of salvation. Lord, would you move in us that we would use the sword of the Spirit to refute the devil's accusations, that we would know your word, that we would love your word, and that we would encourage one another with it, and Lord, that we would speak life. And Lord Jesus, we praise you most of all, because when the gates of hell were opened against you, You took their full wrath and their full scheming through your death on the cross so that we, by your death and resurrection, would be set free from bondage to sin, to Satan. And Lord, we long for the day when not only that his power, that his minions, that his activity will be fully defeated, Lord, we long for that day, and we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, equip us by your grace as we wrestle in this life until you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been set free, and we have been given armor for our protection. Whom shall we fear? Let's stand. Let's sing to him.